Hey everybody, welcome again today to the Ask LSC podcast. It is good to be with you today. My name is Harrison. I'm the Worship Arts Director at Lake Forest and Huntersville, sitting here today with... What's up guys? I'm Andrew Ruth, Missio Day Pastor here at Lake Forest Church. Andrew, how are you doing on this fine fall morning? It feels fall. It's fall officially, right? According to the calendar, all the things. Is it fall all the way? I don't even look at the calendar for that stuff too much. I okay. kind of do it by feel. Also, don't watch the weather. This is one of those uh, quirks you can learn about me. I don't trust the weatherman enough to even bother reading the weather. I just walk outside, and I kind of gamble in my closet. I just guess what the <laughs> weather's like, and I walk outside, and if I'm real bad wrong, I go and change, and if I'm only moderately wrong... This is what we're wearing today. It's good to know you have that in common with like if you went back uh, to a, a North Carolina little country town and you find the guy at the town store sitting on the front porch. You guys have the same approach to weather. It's like, how am I feeling about it today? Exactly. It's, you know, I just kind of walk outside. I guess this is the weather we have today. And even then it can change. So I just try to ride with it. I find myself. It's one of those like um, learning to not get frustrated about things. And I realized that when I read the weather and when the weather didn't go as I, as forecast, I was frustrated for some reason, as opposed to when I don't know what the weather is, I still get annoyed when it rains and I didn't realize it was going to rain and I forgot to cover something up in the driveway and those things. But I don't know. It just kind of mitigates a lot of my frustration. Hmm. Well, I'm excited to have uh, Andrew sitting in today because we are, uh, we're going to dive in. Andrew's going to steer the ship on diving into some uh, Holy Spirit stuff. We're starting, uh, we're a couple weeks into a series on the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings. And uh, Andrew preached week number one, and he's going to share some more stuff with us. Really, really quick before that, just want to invite you as we're going to post this podcast up on uh, on a Thursday, September 28th, as we're recording this. So if you hear this before Wednesday, October 4th. I just want to make sure that you're invited uh, to our worship night we're going to do here next week on Wednesday night. It is a chance for us to uh, experientially try some of this stuff on uh, with speaking with Holy Spirit and worshiping together and just we want to live into all this stuff. So we just want you to know that you're invited to come be a part of that with us. So without uh, further ado, Andrew, a few weeks ago on Sunday morning, you spoke uh, about who is Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And um, in your words, I, I thought it seemed, you know, pretty comprehensive, but there's some more stuff here that uh, that that you had studied and wanted to get into. So I'm I'm curious to see. Uh, and learn, man. I'm curious to learn this morning from you. So, yeah, um, because I don't teach here week in and week out. One of the things that I get you might not know is that I just love to to read and to think, and theology is kind of one of my jams. Um, and so, on Sunday when I preached on who is the Holy Spirit, uh, we were we're actually using some source material um, from a very famous pe- preacher named Nicky Gumbel, who pioneered what's called the Alpha Course, an incredible opportunity for people who have real questions about God, which is all of us. Um, if you don't have questions about God, then you probably haven't thought long enough um, <laughs> because he's you know, in, infinite and ineffable and, and, and incomprehensible and yet knowable at the same time. And so we are using some of this source material and leaning into some of their outlines and, and points. And so I preached a sermon and we really did just survey what, where does Holy Spirit show up in the Bible? 
might be uh, what I would have called that sermon. Mm-hmm. Like, what is who is Holy Spirit in the story of the Bible? Um, as opposed to the the question, who is Holy Spirit, which kind of strikes me much more as a, you know, to use a big word, an ontological question, which just means by nature, what who is Holy Spirit? And, you know, emphasis on is, not where does Holy Spirit show up, which is kind of the sermon uh, that we delivered, which is a really important sermon, maybe more important than the the is, because the is question is starting to kind of work around the frontier of what human language can express and what Hmm. human mind can know. Um, But I did want to kind of dive into that a little bit today. Um, And so just starting with that, I think it's fascinating that we even phrase the question, who is Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what is Holy Spirit. And the first thing that I didn't say then, but is is absolutely imperative if we are going to understand or even start to, to lean into Holy Spirit, is that Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing. And so Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Which it. is why you prefer, as you've been doing back here and share with us on Tuesdays and have said in other places, um, why your uh, verbiage even towards this can be a little different than we've heard at times rather than saying, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, he, as you said back here on a Tuesday, you said, we don't say who is the Jesus, you know, it's a person and we'd call him by his name and we call, you call the Holy Spirit by his name by calling him Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy Spirit is a kitten. We can think of it as a proper name, like a proper, like the same way that your name is Harrison. Uh, and so I can call you the Harrison who works at Lake Forest. <laughs> like that sentence makes sense, Yeah, but it's also not the common way to refer to you. And so the scriptures are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Most of the time when they put the the in front of it, that's that's called the definite article in grammar. The definite article is to differentiate this spirit from other spirits. Hmm. When the Bible is being written, and even still now where the Bible is being read in most of the world, there is a latent acknowledgement that there are other spirits that active in the world. Spirits with a small s, what we might call demons or evil spirits. Um, those things exist, and so they wanted to differentiate. This is not just another one of those many spirits or, or small small G gods. This is the spirit, the mm. one spirit to rule all spirits. Um, the same way that you kind of see that happen with um, the Lord happens. Yeah, that makes sense. And so um, as we dive into this, I just kind of, that's a fascinating thing. This will start to, for the rest of the sermon series, just that simple thought that Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing. It starts to help me understand a lot of questions that are going to come up, or at least moves the questions from a place that are unanswerable to a place that I have some relational knowledge. And so that means, like Mike said, um, when I'm asking for more of Holy Spirit, it's not like I'm asking for more money in my bank account. I'm not asking for more of something. I'm asking for more of someone. And so if you just shift it, that doesn't answer all of the conundrums of do I have Holy Spirit, not have Holy Spirit. Well, have is a weird word in relationships. Do I have all of Claire, my wife? Yes. Do I have all of Claire? No. Like there's infinite mystery to this woman. We've been married for 13 years and I'm still discovering things about her that I didn't know a year, two years ago. Hmm. And so in some real way, I have more of Claire now 13 years into our marriage. And yet she wasn't holding back the first year of marriage. 
Um, and mm-hmm. we think of that relationally, when we think of it as a relationship, it makes more sense that I won't, you know, we even say in counseling sometimes with a, when I'm counseling a married couple, um, one of the spouses will say, I just need more of you. I just need more attention or you know, not just more from you, but I, I want your, you know, I want you, I want your heart, your mind, your thoughts. And I want to know more of that. Not because you've been necessarily, some of that's because you've been hiding from me. That's not going to work with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not hard to find. You know, Holy Spirit doesn't hide from us. Holy Spirit is hard to, you know, see, but that doesn't, seeing is just one sense out of a million. So is electricity. I don't sure. have any doubts that electricity exists. I can't see it. I, so is music. I can't see it, but I don't have any doubts that it exists. So. Yeah. As it comes to all this, to to get things rolling, Andrew, a question for you just personally, because I'm curious. Um where's the line for this, this particular subject when it comes to our faith as Christ followers? <clears throat> um, as we commented starting the series, why we're excited to do this is because uh, our, uh, the Holy Spirit is the least understood part of God. God makes sense. Um, Jesus makes sense to us at times. Holy Spirit, not all the way because there, there are more aspects of what the Holy Spirit does that fall into this, um, as weird as it is for, for us as Christ followers, our faith is a, a mystical thing. Like there's stuff we're acknowledging and we're raising our hands saying as crazy as you think this might make me look, there are things happening that, that we don't see. And so for you, as you approach this specific topic, when it comes to understanding Holy Spirit, um, where, where is this how's the picture formed for you between um, what we can understand from God's word and from what you've seen lived out experientially and how God's word has mm-hmm. played out when you form your understanding. And as mm-hmm. you're going to share some of this with us, um, where do you fall with, with all of that between what I read and I think I understand yeah. here and then, but I've seen things that like seem to stretch the bounds maybe even of what I thought I understood. How does yeah. that form? Yeah, both and. I mean, I think knowledge is 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 both cerebral, but it's also experiential. Um, you know, one of the quintessential lines of that is, um, I was just reading about it again this morning in my devotional time. Uh, there's a spot in Psalm 19, Psalm 119, that says, "Your word is sweeter than honey on my lips." And it's mm-hmm. one thing to hear that honey is sweet; it's a whole different to eat a spoonful of it, like to experience and taste and see. Um, and God invites us to taste and see the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say like no cerebrally or factually that God is good, but taste and see. These are experiential words. And so knowledge is both and. My own journey, because I'm a thinker to the max, just Myers-Briggs, if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, I'm a T, a high T on uh, Myers-Briggs, as opposed to uh, F, which stands for feeler. Um, so I think about things first, generally. Um, there are other times where stuff happens to me and then I process that through thought. Uh, but for the large part, most of my understanding of Holy Spirit started with scripture reading, started with the words of Jesus in places like John 14 and 16, which are probably my favorite um, Jesus teachings on uh, the Holy Spirit when he's just promising this. I mean, you, you'll recognize some of these, but he promises um, that he's going away. And he says, you know, I've spoken all of this with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. And so just like, you know, what does that even mean? Well, it means 
at the very little, it means God's going to send me a Holy Spirit. And, the, and I love that great phrase. Like, so in the midst of the mystery, like you pointed out, I love that one of the things that is promised in John 14, 26 is that Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is going to take some time, but just, you know, stay, stay on the bike, stay in the boat. Like, the Holy Spirit will teach you. It, it's a will, a future tense, and he will remind you of everything that Jesus has said. And so... Um, and then I have experiences where uh, something supernatural seems to happen um, or is happening, not even seems to happen. Um, I think uh, our world is more than what we kind of see and sense, and we know that latently. I mean, love is not something that we see or can quantify, and mm-hmm. it's, it, we, none of us debate whether it's real. Even, uh, even nihilists essentially still believe in love. Um, hmm. And so uh, today I was just going to kind of dive into some of that stuff because I think it may be the funnest way to think about this is historically, how has the church wrestled with this? And I think there's nothing new under the sun. And so it's super fun to just lean back into hit church history and to see none of this is new. Uh, we're kind of walking the same path. And so you Sweet. pointed us to that first part of um, that the Holy Spirit is uh, one of the persons in what we call the Trinity. Uh, Trinity just means one God in three persons. Uh, if that's mind-blowing to you, think about the fact that you very likely use something today uh, called two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. <laughs> in the words of Mitch Hedberg, two can't fit into one. That's why two was invented in the first place. Um, but we are familiar with it. So it's a mystery, but uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, all are persons, not parts. I used to have a teacher who said, chickens have parts, God has persons, um, <laughs> which is just a funny phrase. Uh, you can't like subdivide God. Um, you have these three persons and these three persons then work in, in divine concert. They all do things together. I mean, it's hard to isolate the activity of one person, what the father does, because everything the father does involves the son and the spirit. Everything the son does involves the spirit and the father and everything the spirit does involves the father and the son. And we could mm-hmm. think about this. It's probably easiest to think about Jesus. And Jesus ex- executes his father's mission, so he's acting on behalf in concert with his father. Uh, but he's doing all the actions he's doing are in the power of the Holy Spirit. He mm-hmm. literally will point to this. And so all three, who's acting? Well, father's kind of, it's father's mission. Um, Jesus is doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So all three. Um, if we think about creation, right? If we think about creation, we can point to this. Uh, who made everything? Well, um, the creed starts off with, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Um, and yet we see, you know, in Colossians 1, that through him all things were made and nothing was made that did not come into existence without him. Hmm. So that's Jesus. But we could also look at the Holy Spirit, right? In, in Genesis chapter 1, who is hovering over the waters? Actually, like, in some sense, executing the, the command of God to let there be, yeah, let there be yeah. light. It says Holy Spirit is hovering over the water. So you have all three very clearly in the scriptures are involved in the act of creation. And so, again, as we think about Holy Spirit, we're not isolating Holy Spirit from Father and Son. We're just um, seeing the beauty of the this, this three-part harmony that always works. Or some people like to think of it as like a tritonal note, um, which, uh, Harrison, I'll let you explain in a minute. But in like a chord, there's usually three notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can hear each individual note, but they compose something greater than any one of those notes. Mm-hmm. And if you remove one of the notes, it's a diminished chord. Um, that may get too nerdy for most people. <laughs> it'd be it'd be helpful if I had a piano right now. I could let you hear it. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a piano, and I only know one chord on the piano, <laughs> which is a C. Um, I can play a C, and I don't know what the constitutive notes of it are. That either. one's that one's a pretty easy one. 
That's a pretty easy one to do. That's good. So I'm just trying to give you some handholds here sure. for thinking through Trinity. Um, hmm. But as we as we kind of talk a little bit on this stuff, um, it's fascinating to think through the creed. So in the creed, the, the idea of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a Jesus-revealed idea that God is three. Um, the world understood the Jewish faith. The Hebrews understood that God was one, and he is one. Um, but then the idea that God is both one and three is kind of a Jesus revealed idea. We see that in like the Great Commission, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which kind of includes the mystery of the Trinity. Because um, what name? How many names are we supposed to baptize them in? Well, it says Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it says the name. Not like it's fascinating. It's the singular name, hmm. and then three names are listed. That's that's strange. Hmm. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> really cleared that up for us. <laughs> um, but that, but so we get into that, uh, and so the creeds kind of came about. That what we, the two most famous are the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. If you grew up in a traditional church, you probably have seen these, heard these, or even maybe recited them. Uh, what you might remember from memory is the Apostles' Creed is a lot shorter. Um, and the Nicene Creed is a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, most churches use the Apostles' Creed because it is shorter. Um, in America, most people also use the Apostles' Creed because it is an I-language creed. It is about what I individually believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nicene Creed is a we creed. It's about what we collectively as the Church of Jesus Christ believe. Uh, but I wanted to just kind of zoom in on that for a second, the Nicene Creed, because in the history of the Nicene Creed, you have these come about in debates. They come about because people are asking really good questions, not just argument. They're asking really good questions about what do we actually believe? What does it mean to say God is Father? Uh, what does the Father do? And so they come up with the, the, the first kind of paragraph of the Nicene Creed, which I'm just going to read. We're not going to even talk about it, but it says, We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. We've talked a lot about that. We're not going to dive into that. We'll do it on a different podcast. And then um, that was a pretty easy one to write. There was no real argumentation over that. Um, And then they started to say, then then when the creed was first written, it said, and we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only son of God. And then it kept going kind of like the apostles creed does. It says who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became truly human. And for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. And he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. The way I read it just then, it almost reads exactly like the Apostles' Creed. Mm -hmm. Because I cut out a section in the middle, which was added later. That phrase will ring alarm bells for some of you because added later sounds like people editing something to hide something. It's quite the opposite. It's ongoing conversation revealed that like this isn't the Bible. They're not adding to the Bible. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to give a simple summary of what the Bible teaches. And they realize that their initial summary was not thorough or clear enough. And so they added a phrase in there about the two natures of God, that Jesus is in fact not a creature. He's not... um, He's not just a human being. He's not even just an angel. He is God. And so they added this phrase in the middle where it says that we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, who is eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, Hmm. of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. So you can hear what they're really trying to articulate and, 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 and talk about is that Jesus is God. 
that Jesus is as much God as the Father is God. And this took about 80 years of wrestling, and it's codified in a place called Nicaea, um, where the Emperor Constantine's mother essentially calls this uh, conference. They get a bunch of people together from the whole known world, theologians from Africa and Europe and Rome and Greece and Turkey and Russia and Iraq. I mean, you think about how cool this is. Mm. They travel across thousands and thousands and thousands of miles, and they collectively work on what do we all believe. That's just a cool thought in the first place. And so they, are, they don't argue. They have a long discussion about, and it is an argument, but they, they're not fighting. They are having an argument over who is right. They're trying to persuade each other that Jesus is, in fact, fully God and fully man. Um, and they kind of come to that conclusion, and that's in 318, so 300 and year, the year 318. And then they finish. They realize they've said everything they want to say about the Father and everything they want to say about Jesus. And so they're like, okay, maybe they were exhausted. But they finish the creed with the phrase, and we believe in the Holy Spirit, period. <laughs> like, that was it. <laughs> like, we're not even touching this yet. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why, but that's, that's all it was. And so, yeah. the, and, and so that's all, that is all the Apostles' Creed says about uh, Holy Spirit. It says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, or we believe in the Holy Ghost. And then it goes on to the church, and baptism, and s- resurrection, and all these other things. But it doesn't say anything about Holy Spirit. It says, we believe in Him. Um, and again... This is a fascinating thought um, to just you know point out, again, just going back to our initial principle that Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing. Um, and so we aren't saying we believe in gravity. Hmm. We're saying, I believe in this person. When you say, there's a difference between saying, I believe Harrison exists, and I believe in Harrison. Mm-hmm. It's a trust word. Like, we trust Holy Spirit in a real sense of the, is maybe a, a cool way to think about even just if, if that's all we're going to say I don't understand I don't know I don't understand everything about Harrison like I really Harrison and I have been friends for a year but I, it would not be a stretch for me to say I, I trust Harrison Harrison I trust your worship skills I trust your judgment in this I trust your I trust you with my kids you know if, if we had to drop my kids off at your house for you to parent them I yeah. could say I believe in Harrison Hmm. And so when, when then Andrew, um, and what brought it, because I'm in now I've, I've, I've taken, I've taken church history, but it's been a little bit. When did they come back to the table and say, okay, we left some stuff. We left some stuff out here and we yeah. need to, we need to dig back into this. Well, I'm glad you asked because actually they come back in 380, um, more or less, and they keep talking about Jesus, um, because they, they created another problem from this. And they said, Jesus is fully human and fully God. And then they had to say, well, how does that work? Um, like, you know, again, two and one doesn't work. And yeah. so they, they do a long conference again on the mystery of the two and oneness of Jesus. And then they, that's in a place um, called Chalcedon, um, which is, again, it's just another, it's a city. Um, they get to that, and then they come back to a place called Constantinople. You've probably heard of it, at least in a song, Constantinople. Mm-hmm. Now it's Istanbul, now it's Constantinople. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but Constantinople, and they have a, a conference. Again, this is every theologian, not every theologian, but the, the leading theologians from all over the known world, Africa, Europe, Rome, Turkey, and they come back and they realize they want to expand this Holy Spirit. There's become doubt in a lot of, in some people's minds, there's both confusion of, okay, who is Holy Spirit? But there's also starting to people say, what is Holy Spirit? Is Holy Spirit any different than Father and Son? Is Holy Spirit a person or a thing or maybe an emanation? Um, an emanation... That's a weird word. Um, uh, a, uh, a um, how would you say an 
an, an aura of God, you know, mm. to use a modern yeah. catchy word that mm-hmm. is being thrown around now that like Harrison has an aura. Yep. It's not Harrison, but it's something that kind of, kind of uh, is projected out of him, exudes out of him. And maybe even an aroma would be a different, to use a different sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a bodily aroma. It's not me. It just comes out of me naturally. And so is Holy Spirit more like an aroma or an aura or is Holy Spirit person? Hmm. So they get back together in uh, the 400s, early 415, I think, off the top of my head. Um, just made, uh, And they, they add these phrases. This is just cool. And this will, we're going to kind of talk about these just really quickly and in some small details to keep this podcast from being crazy deep. But Love they it. add, we believe in Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. So that's one long sentence, lots of creeds, but they're saying a bunch of things. They're saying, we believe in the Holy Spirit, who is the Lord, capital L. So if we just think about that thought right there, uh, in the creed itself, um, it's already called, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. We believe in um, God the Father Almighty. When we call somebody Lord, we are giving them deity um, mm-hmm. in theological language, especially L, Lord with a capital L. And we're actually assigning to them what uh, in the Old Testament is the holy name, the Yahweh. Or um, if you don't want to try to pronounce it, it could be the, the theologians will call it the tetragrammaton. This is a fun word. It just means the four letters. Um, tetra oh. meaning four, grammaton meaning letters. Um, because it's, it's four Hebrew letters that essentially transliterate either into Y-H-W-H or into J-H-V-H, which is where we get Jehovah. Mm. So Jehovah and Yahweh are the same, are two different pronunciations of the same word that nobody in the world knows how to actually say because uh, the Jews would not say it out loud for fear of breaking the third commandment, which is you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Um, so they would not say it. They just and, and they didn't write their language at the time with vowels. And so all we have are the consonants of an ancient name. So it's just That's fascinating. so cool. I mean, it's, it's actually super awesome that even at the, at the center of all of this, at the, at the most basic level of God told us his name, that there's such mystery even to that, that it's, it's, it couldn't just be simple. It wasn't just like Dave. No. <laughs> you no, know, like... That's so cool. Isn't it? And, and that they, you know, so they'll call it the tetragrammaton. Um, hmm. This is just fun theological language. Call it te- tetragrammaton is like the, it's just one name for it. It's hmm. often, the Jews just call it the name. Um, hmm. Like, so you'll see the name of God or in the name, um, capital N. Um, when they read it in scripture, so when you're reading in your English Bible and you're like, I don't have, I don't see Yahweh anywhere in my English Bible. Well, if you're reading in your English Bible and you see Lord, all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's how we write the, the, the divine name, the Yahweh name that, that, that particular, if it's capital L lowercase O R D, that's a different Hebrew word. But if it's capitals all the way through, it's Yahweh or Jehovah, whichever Mm. pronunciation you like better um, based on your upbringing or Mm. your vocabulary. It doesn't, again, these are not right or wrong. Um, We're, we're enjoying the mystery that God has given us a name and we are figuring out um, how to, but he didn't give us a name so that we could use it like a, a spell, like a magic word, like abracadabra. He gave us a name because it's, it's really about the relationship. It hmm. really is about him saying, I will be known personally by you. Um, so in that one word, in this creed, 
they were able to they were able to make that connection to say we are we this, are putting the Holy Spirit on at the Yahweh level. This it, is not a this is not a, an aura or a exactly. semblance of this exactly. is exactly. And they're saying at the Yahweh level, there is no level above the Yahweh level. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case you're wondering, um, and they did that for Jesus. That was a big long conversation and debate. But when they add this word Lord to the Holy Spirit, they're putting. Holy Spirit at Yahweh level. They're saying Holy Spirit is the same nature, the same, um, the 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 same stuff, if you will. That's a really unclunky term, but I'm trying to think of non-theological yeah. words. Yeah. Um, he's the same species of thing. Again, clunky words as the Father and the Son. Um, in the same way that I'm human and you're human, like we are the same mm-hmm. nature. We share human nature. Well, Holy Spirit shares divine nature with Father and Son. Uh, so that's just one word. So we see that. And then it starts to list out things Holy Spirit does, but these point out some cool stuff that are important. So then it says the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. And we kind of talked about this, but Holy Spirit has an incredible role in creation. The Holy Spirit is the divine force that brings life to all of them. God says um, in the Psalms, it says you remove your spirit from them and they die. Hmm. Um, that whether you're a believer or not a believer, the what we might even call the spark of life in you to um, which is a phrase from Frankenstein, uh, mm-hmm. that like f- that spark, mm-hmm. um, or what you know, some pagan, what some non-Christian, some um, pagans or shamanisms or uh, even animists will think of as a, as a, just electricity, um, mm. like that electricity. Like God said, no, that even that is Holy Spirit, um, and that's a fun way to think about spirit. Spirit may just mean pure energy. It probably means more than that. But if you are a hardcore, only want to think in matter and energy like e equals mc squared your scientific brain then spirit may mean you might be able just to start thinking down this line if a person existed with no matter and they were pure energy mm-hmm. um that that's theoretically possible um not you know in a in a in a but so spirit is the the exciting principle inside of all of life animals life it hold, holy spirit holds it all together holy spirit works it all together holy spirit is divinely acting in it not as a puppet master but as a um as an architect as a as a as a chief engineer um and then it keeps going so so we holy spirit is the giver of life like that's just a cool phrase so i can thank holy spirit for my life and yet and we understand that jesus and father are both involved in this work mm-hmm. um but Holy Spirit kind of takes lead, if that makes sense. You know, like lead guitar for a solo. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole band playing, but the Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> I like music too much. And then the next one says that Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. This is fascinating because the Bible is going to talk about, sometimes it's very clear, the Spirit of God, the Bible will use certain phrases interchangeably. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, those are used interchangeably in the same verses, like in... You know, this is a podcast, so you don't need verse references because you're probably not writing them down. But if you want them, email me. I'll send them on to you. <laughs> um, but in First Corinthians, Paul will use the same phrase in one place. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we will see like in Romans 8 that the Spirit is both the Spirit of the Father. So Mike uh, quoted what... F- 815 this week that says um, it is that spirit that causes us to cry out Abba Father that he is the Father has poured out his spirit into our hearts mm-hmm. um, that we might cry out Abba Father in the same chapter the spirit is going to be named as the spirit of Jesus or the spirit of Christ and so whose spirit is it is it the spirit of the Father or is it the spirit of Jesus it's just the spirit it's just yes mm-hmm. is the answer to the question yes yes is the answer hmm. um 
And uh, and so the Holy Spirit proceeds from both. Well, they share a nature. I mean, the Holy, Jesus can say this to the point where he says, if you've seen me, you have seen my Father. Like it's not, they're not, they're not as concerned with our divisions as we are. Uh, we like to divide things so that we can understand them and control them. Um, God is more of just relational. He's like, you don't understand yourself. Like, how are you going to understand me? Um, you know, I think sometimes I try to understand God too much. But again, so we proceed from the Father and Son. And so the Holy Spirit gives us an accurate depiction of who Father is and who Son is. And so what's really cool about this, I believe that if you have... In some sense, if you have one, you have all three um, in a beautiful way. And so when Jesus says, if you have seen me or if you have received me, you have received my Father. And then before he leaves, he says, if you receive the Spirit, you, I will come and be with you. My Father and I will come and make our, heart, or make our home within you. Hmm. He says that in John 14 in the midst of teaching them about the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send the Advocate. For a little while you will not see me, then you will see me or interact with me. Uh, the word's different. And then he goes, and my father and my, my father and I will come and we will make our home with you. How's that going to happen? Hmm. Father and son, like Jesus is still at the right hand of the father, if you want to talk geography. Yep. Um, but who has come and made their home within us? Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit communicates father and son to us. He, he is the delivery boy person mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say the apparatus but then we yeah. got back into it language yeah. and i'm trying to avoid it language um holy spirit becomes this glue or maybe it's uh maybe you think in the language of like black holes um between us and heaven it's kind of like a a, a connection point between us and the father the father and the son are not far away anymore because holy spirit is is holy spirit cannot be closer to father and son than he is but he's also inside of me which means it all gets communicated all gets glued together in a beautiful mm-hmm. awesome intimate way It's really, it's really wild thinking about it like this. That you know, you have your nation of Israel and their understanding of God, and then within a thirty-something year period, he's like, "Oh, by the way, here's this Jesus part of me." Oh, and then by the way, (laughs) here's Pentecost, and I'm going to make it really clear to you what my spirit is. And it's just like he laid this whole thing out for us. Yeah, there's a lot to wrap our brains around. It's not surprising it took a couple hundred years of us to, to make some sense out of this systematically. Yeah. And so they're wrestling through that. And so just finishing up a couple of them to make sure we've gotten those two things. It, they put this phrase in and this phrase I think is, is fascinating. It says the father who with the Holy Spirit is with the father and the son is worshiped and glorified. What they're saying is Holy Spirit, just mm-hmm. like Jesus, we worship Jesus. And just like we worship God, it is right and proper to worship and glorify the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Um, maybe you've been hearing Mike talk about praying to Holy Spirit. Maybe you've sat in a meeting with us and you've heard us pray to Holy Spirit. Or in the last few weeks, we've been singing songs directly addressed to Holy Spirit. And that may have made you uncomfortable. And that's a that's a right impulse in you, which is to protect God, like to protect ourselves from idolatry. We are not, if we worship something that is not God, the definition of that is idolatry and the punishment for idolatry is, idolatry is the heart of sin. And, you know, uh, that leads to death and separation. Um, But if Holy Spirit is God, then it's right and good and true to worship and glorify Holy Spirit, not as something less than Son and Father, but hmm. it says with father and son is worshiped and is glorified. Hmm. Um, 
That's written in the 400s. Like, think about that for a second. Praying to Holy Spirit is not a new idea. Singing to Holy Spirit is not a new idea. The church wrote it in their, like, foundational document. Um, Hey, we do this. We worship and glorify Holy Spirit. Uh, Anything come as a worship leader, what does that bring up in you? It's like, it's just interesting thinking about um, when I look at just the pathway of how we have moved as a church uh, from from the moment of Pentecost to now, and we've gone through so many iterations of understanding it clearly, and then at times being fearful of and having to have this revival breakout because we've pushed so far away from Holy Spirit and having fear of some of the things that we can't see and understand. So it's it's just interesting to me um, seeing this cycle that's played out over and over through generations. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yet the beauty of this in some senses, uh, Holy Spirit um, is the heart, maybe the hardest and most misunderstood because what Holy Spirit most wants to do is glorify father and son. So mm-hmm. like Holy Spirit most wants to be, Holy Spirit's like, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Like, yeah. don't, don't make a big deal out of me, make a big deal out of the father. And then yet the father's going to do the same thing, right? The father is always glorifying Jesus. When mm-hmm. I be lifted up, the father um, and Jesus is always lifting up his dad and promising that, hey, the Holy Spirit's even better than me with you. You know what's better than me being right here with you? Holy Spirit. Hmm. We actually see what healthy relationships look like, not in self-deprecating humor or like selflessness, but other focusedness. Hmm. Like um, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit model other focusedness. They're always praising each other. They don't have to brag about themselves because they have two cheerleaders who are constantly bragging about them that's how i teach my son in baseball i said we don't brag about ourselves we brag about other people and we let other people brag about us Mm. we let them yeah um and so the last thing it says about them and this is this can be really important for some of you guys who uh holy spirit is still pretty um you've seen holy spirit uh taken Mm. to excess uh, to emotionalism or to um, fanaticism emotionalism is really the um or is really the the great excess uh, that people can run to is it says here in the creed, um, it says Holy Spirit has spoken through the prophets. Um, basically, that's an ancient way to say, in the old words, they used to say, he spake through the prophets, which I just spake. think is a fun word, spake. Yeah, we should um, bring that back. We should start using spake more often than spoken. Um, like, I have spake. Um, Andrew spake a great message on Sunday. <laughs> like he, he, that's why I like reading old books, to discover <laughs> words that I'm like, why do we give that up? Yeah. Like that, that, that word. So anyway, spake through the prophets is essentially Christians... I'm saying the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Like the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit. And this is fascinating. Again, we're going to see kind of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all active in Bible work. You know, John 1 says Jesus is the Word of God. Well, mm-hmm. so is, well, the Word, the Bible is the written Word of God, so they have to be coordinated and together. So the Bible is never going to um, contradict Jesus. But here we see uh, that the Holy Spirit inspired and wrote the Bible. And so there is no um, war, there is no even tension between spirit and Bible, um, that the two are a concerted a gift from God. Um, both in the scriptures, we hear the voice of Holy Spirit, and in the voice of the Holy Spirit, in our minds and hearts when we're in worship, we hear the voice of scripture. Hmm. Um, so we check everything we hear 
everything we hear in the Bible in prayer. Like we're supposed to read the Bible not like a newspaper. We're praying. We're asking God, speak to me. Reveal yourself. Not through this, but in this. Mm. Um, it's not like God's behind the Bible. God is in the Bible. But I want to be open to the person, not just the words, if that makes sense. And so I pray. The same is true when I'm praying. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I want to, if I get an impression or I get a feeling or I think I should do something, you know, you, maybe you've been in prayer and you say, you know, I, I need to make this decision. Well, I want to run those decisions through the lens of the Bible. Whatever lens it hits me to first, I want to run it through the secondary lens of the other. That may be the secondary lens of prayer. In fact, find, if it's coming to me in the Bible, I want to pray through that. Hey, God. I don't want to distort your word. I know people have done that. I know people have misapplied your word. Would you, Holy Spirit, correct me if I'm misapplying this? If I'm finding it in prayer, like if I'm starting in prayer, I want to say, hey, Holy Spirit, I know people have misunderstood impulses in their body and they've misapplied, you know, they they thought it was Holy Spirit and it was really indigestion. And so they did something stupid in the name of Holy Spirit because they didn't check it against your word. Um, there's these twofold things that are work together to give us what um, John Calvin, the founder of Presbyterianism, uh, calls bifocal vision, um, which is just a cool way to think of it. If you you may it, they create a sense of depth. If you have you know if you have two cameras on something or two eyeballs on something, uh, you have um, biopic vision Mm -hmm. Um, and and the opposite of that not the biopic but if you only have one you get what we call myopic myopic is both a pejorative term and it's an insult if somebody is myopic they can only see it from their perspective they Mm -hmm. cannot see it from another perspective and god doesn't want us to be myopic and so he's so we we've been given the, the word and the spirit in in the community of church we actually have like triopic vision in some Mm. real sense that i um, because even by myself, I can distort my prayer life. I can distort the word of God by myself. And I'm because I live inside of a particular culture with a particular cultural history and baggage. If I talk to Harrison, that gets even better. If I talk to Pastor Victor, who grew up in Mexico and L.A., mm-hmm. I get even better perspective on what is Scripture saying and what is, like, what do I believe because Jesus teaches it? And what do I believe because I grew up where I grew up, when I grew up, with the people I grew up? Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes I say, you know, to say it bluntly, there are things that I think are Christian that are actually just American. Um, there, you know, there, there are things that I think are, you know, and so that, and so um, this is beautiful. If you are a person who tends to be cautious about Holy Spirit and really high on Bible, guess who else is high on Bible? Holy Spirit. He yeah. kind of wrote the book. He kind of <laughs> did. Um, but he's also saying, you you know from your Bible study that you need Holy Spirit to teach you the Bible because you've seen people distort it. The same thing that can happen in emotionalism can happen in legalism. Legalism is just me reading the Bible badly without inspiration of Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And legalism, it can turn into dead ritualism if I if I cut spirit out of it. Um, you've you, maybe you've seen that. So John Calvin used to call it, we need these two things. He called them the bifocals of, of faith. Um, and he would say there's a danger in one without the other. Uh, he'd say spirit without the Bible, spirit, like if we focus on spirit and no scripture, we lean into emotionalism and fanaticism, and we don't have the, the uh, corrective, repentant force of Scripture. The, um, we, that, that leads to a really bad place, and that's the one we can think of a lot. But we, the, uh, he says the same is exactly true if we have Scripture and no spirit. We turn into dead legalism, and the Bible mm-hmm. becomes not just a weapon to fight spirits with, because we've cut the whole spiritual dimension off of it. The Bible becomes a weapon 
to attack other human beings with. Mm-hmm. And both are distortions of Christianity. And as a church, part of what Mike was saying, hey, if some of you have fixed expectations and some of you have real fears, or what we sang about in that song, Holy Spirit, what we're trying to lean into as a church is we don't want to fall down either of these things. We don't want to, we don't want to be so afraid of emotionalism that we cut spirit out of it because then we become dead legalist, but we don't want to be so afraid of dead legalism that we cut scripture out. Like neither of those things is an acceptable alternative. Hmm. It's a, it's a, a rounded picture that you need all of it. It's like a, it's like uh, we get it's we get so immature with this sometimes. It's funny how it's funny how God gave us kids to give them wins, uh, give us insight into ourselves. But so many times where I, you go to your kids and be like, "Can you please not whatever?" and then their response is like, "Okay, well I guess I'll never blah 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 again." And it's the exact you they go to the extreme passive aggressive flip around, and what you're saying right now resonates well with me because we are just wired that way sometimes where we go well if i got burned that way i'm never doing that again and we're just like no some of that's good yeah there's what you're gonna there's all kinds of ways to get burned and so again i want to come to you whether you grew up in a place that was you know felt felt um devoid of the spirit or devoid of healthy doctrine either you know of like a healthy scriptural study either didn't elevate uh, god's person that is available to us currently in the presence and power and person of the holy spirit um, or didn't elevate highly enough the scripture of God. Um, or And we don't want to elevate either of those at the cost of Father and Son. That's why it says with the Father and Son is glorified. You can not be a you can be a Holy Spirit church, but being a Holy Spirit church won't make you less of a Jesus church. It'll make you more of a church, mm-hmm. a Jesus church. And it'll make you more of a Father church because the Father gets glory when His Son is lifted up. The Father gets glory when we come to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. And so like, again... Um, there are ways to get it wrong. Um, but God in his mercy has given us a ton of correctives as well. I think about like what you said with kids. The other one is how many times have I heard from my kid or myself? I go back to talk to my own parents. I'm 38 years old. I go to mom and dad and I'm like, why didn't, why didn't y'all tell me about this? Somebody has just blown my mind with a a fact or with insight. They're like, well, why didn't you tell me that? And they're like, we told you that a thousand times. And I couldn't hear it or I heard it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I heard it as an insult. Like, you know what I mean? Like you tell your kid, hey, go do this or don't do this. And they hear it as a limitation or a crushing blow. And then they go talk to your wife and she explains the exact same thing in a different way. And all of a sudden it becomes a gift to them. Hmm. And it wasn't because you did it poorly. I mean, that could have happened. You're not Holy Spirit. It's very, very possible. Um, But it's not exclusive to that. Sure. Um, but that's it. I hope cool. this was helpful. It's just a beginning, a little tinker uh, into this. We will keep doing this, I hope, over the next three weeks, both over what does Holy Spirit do and what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We'll do some deep dives. And if you're really hungry about this stuff, if you're fascinated about creeds, I would love to go out to coffee. I'd love to uh, sit down and nerd out over this stuff in a healthy way, a way that is a, I want to love God more with my whole mind. I've been called to love God with all of my mind. Hmm. Um, how do I do that? Um, so again, this is not ner- this is not thinking for thinking's sake. It's thinking for love's sake. And if you want to talk more about the band creed, feel free to reach out to me. I'll Abs- have- yeah, the band creed. <laughs> oh man, can they come back together? 
I I hope so. I hope so because we need more. Yeah, yeah. we need yeah. more. I know. Well, hopefully, one of these days. Andrew, thanks, man. This was awesome. I learned a lot. It was awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.